Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, how are you? Yeah. It, it, it kind of turned cold today. I was like, man, it's cold outside. It's cold. How many people like the cold? That's, that's more than I expected. How many people don't like the cold? That's more what I expected there. <laughs> oh, man. I was, uh, I was in the Marines, and um, I volunteered for cold weather training and uh, to go up above the Arctic Circle, and my wife thinks I am absolutely nuts. And, uh, but we, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. It was fun. But anyway, well, we just uh, praise God for you. It's going to be a great night. How many people are ready to receive? Amen. You ready to receive? Amen. What are you going to receive? Oh, 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 oh. What are you going to receive? Because, see, if you're not in expectation to receive something, how are you going to receive it? Are you actually ready to receive? I'm going to receive the anointing of God tonight. I'm going to receive that anointing to open up my thinking. I'm going to receive the anointing to bring healing to my body. Wholeness. I'm going to receive the anointing and wisdom to take me to another level financially. I'm going to receive that anointing to protect me. I can receive an anointing of God that will keep the devil away in Jesus' name. See, these are the kind of things. Do you know what you have and what you're going to receive in that way? This is what faith produces. Faith produces what you hope for, what you are expecting over. What are you expecting to receive? Now, just a matter of fact, just right now, everybody in here, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Right now, what are you expecting to receive? I want you to think about it. What is that thing? What are you expecting to receive? Glory to God. Think about it. Now just say it with me. Just say, Father, I believe that I'm going to receive these things. Your blessing, your power tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. I want to tell you a quick story here. And I want you to say this with me. Just say this with me. God watches and God rewards. God watches, say it with me, God watches, and God rewards. That's right. All right, now, uh, if you don't have an envelope, just raise your hand, they'll bring you one. If you're watching online, you can give at givebc.org. But here's one of the things. So I told this story a couple weeks ago. Uh, my wife and I moved up here to Albemarle in 2005. And when we moved up uh, to Albemarle in 2005, we were very blessed uh, to have a house that God blessed us with, and it was awesome. But how many people have ever lived in a house that you didn't think was awesome? All right, hear that. Everybody listen. How many people lived in a house that you didn't think was awesome? <laughs> has anybody looked out? On the, we lived in a house and we called it affectionately the ugly house. The ugly house. Before we moved to Albemarle, we lived in a house called, we called the ugly house. Can you ever guess why we called it the ugly house? Because <laughs> it was ugly. Is that right? Ugly. We still call it ugly today. I literally bought this house for $200. I'm not kidding. I bought the house for $200. That ought to tell you something. 
Now, it was bought and paid for, and it was mine, and I didn't have any rent payments, uh, but I literally bought the house for $200. We, it wasn't a mobile home, but we picked it up. We contacted a house mover, and we moved it 30 miles down the road. Have you ever seen a full house going down the road, down the highway? It's something to see. It's something to see. And this house, though, and they were going to use it to burn it, you know, like the, the firemen would burn a house to practice on it. They were going to use it to burn it, right? But here's what happened. They didn't do it, and they ended up selling it to us for $200, and uh, we paid for somebody to move it and put it on property with us, Then we spent several thousand dollars getting it livable, barely, right? Livable, barely. One night... We had a living room in this house. Now hear this. Hey, back there. Listen. Listen. We had a house one night. We had a living room. We kept the door closed all the time. You know why? Because we'd walk out into the living room and we'd hear... And we were like, I don't think I want to go out in there anymore. Let's just walk on over here. Close that door. One night, I, this is where I learned about mouse traps that called glue traps. I didn't even know they exist. I just used those little wooden ones all the time. But the mouse traps, I learned about the glue traps, and they were about like a half sheet of paper glue traps. I'm like, man, I'm going to throw this out there and see what we catch, because I knew we had mice out there. I went out the next morning, and I hear like, I'm, I'm like, what in the world is that? Nine mice on that trap overnight. Nine mice. And you know what that looks like? Let me just tell you. It's like, it looks like a half sheet of paper covered with moving fur. <laughs> Nine mice. Is that right? Am I, am I stretching the truth? No. And that's, that was just the beginning. We continued to catch mice. You know, part of the reason why they could get into the house, because when I walked over to the edge where the wall came down to the floor, I could look out and see ground outside there. I could, we had weeds growing up through the house. This was 2005. 2005. It wasn't that long ago. And weeds, we called it the ugly house. Well, why are we talking about finances? How many people in here would like to have your finances change forever? Amen. How many people would like to never have lack and poverty for the rest of your life? Anybody? Why are we talking about this with tithes and offerings? Well, what happened with us was this. We started hearing teaching. The Bible says this. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The Bible says that my people are in captivity for a lack of understanding. What happened with us, here we are living in this house. My wife and I, hear this, my wife and I made less than $15,000 a year between the both of us. Both of us had jobs. We were making less than $15,000 a year. Now, that, that's all, that can be okay if you don't have a lot of overhead, but we had, we had children. And we were not making, here we are working full time, working, working our tails off and not making anything. Faith comes by hearing. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He says my people are in captivity because they don't know. My people are destroyed because they don't know. All of a sudden we, we started going to a church at that time and they started preaching about money. 
They started preaching about finances. Remember what I said last night? God wants you blessed and he's a rewarder. They started preaching that God wants you blessed. See, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But if I don't know that God wants to do these things, these great things in my life, and I've not heard preaching on it, then how am I going to put faith in it? How am I going to overcome it? So we started going to this church, similar to a church like this, and they were preaching the word. That church was actually smaller than this. It, that church was like this section only, you know. But they were preaching the word, and the victory of God started to get inside of us. We started to know some things. We started to understand some things. We started to realize, hey, we trust God. God loves us. He's got great plans. He doesn't want to leave us in an ugly house. Anybody? I don't want to be left in an ugly house. I want to go to a not ugly house. I want to go to a house that has no mice in it. I want to go to a house that I can't see the ground through the wall and through the floor. God wants that for you too. God wants that for you too. I told you last night when we started the church, over 50% of the prayer requests were about finances. People were struggling with finances. How can you say God is good if I'm sitting here in poverty? So the church many times has fought against a God that wants to bless. They haven't taught. They made excuses for it. Praise God we got ourselves in a church that said God's a good God. And He's a giver. And He wants us blessed. All of a sudden we realize if we'll do this God's way... I know that we will walk in the blessing. Things started to change. Things started to change. Things started to change. In 2005, we moved from that ugly house into a house that's very nice and very much a blessing. And our finances has, have continued to go up from that. Why, why did this happen? Because we learned that God wanted the best for us. Why? Why would he do that? Because he loves you. He loves you you. He doesn't want you to have to struggle in that way. He wants you. He said, look, if you are, if you have a lot of weight on you, you are, you got the weight of the world bearing down on your shoulders. Jesus said, you come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. He wants to take the struggle off of your life. In what areas? You name it. He wants to take the struggle off of your finances. He wants to take the struggle off of your health. He wants to take the struggle off in all these ways. But people won't receive it because they don't know that. How are they going to know it if there's not a preacher that will preach his love? But when we preach his love, all of a sudden people go, You mean God really loves me? He really wants the best for me? Are you kidding? Nope. He really does. He really, really does. You mean I can come out of this pit? Yes. Yes, you can. I can come out of this darkness and into revelation, into the light that He has a blessing for me? Yes. He'll do it, well, He'll do it for you because you're a preacher. He'll do it for you because you're a believer. It's not just because I was a preacher. I wasn't a preacher when that started happening. He'll do it because he loves you and he's got the best on his heart for you. Is there anybody in here that would like to have his best? Amen. I want his best. Amen. 
I want his best. I want his best. Say this with me. God watches and God rewards. Where's your heart to give? John 3.16, can anybody quote that? For God so loved the world that he... Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved that he gave. God's a giver. It's who he is. He He didn't give because of hate. He gave because of love. When we start walking in the things of God, we start becoming a giver. We start becoming a giver. Here's what happened to us. We started saying, you know what, Lord? We might not have much, but what we're going to do, we're going to take it and we're going to give it to you. Why? Because there's a principle in this Bible that God watches, and he is a rewarder. Do you remember in Genesis chapter 4, it said, Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. God, God said, one of them's good. And God said, one of them's bad. God was watching. You remember we talked earlier about the widow with the mites. He he was there. This is Jesus now. Now watch this. I'm going to play the part of Jesus. Abigail, my daughter, you play the part of the widow. And so God says, Jesus took a seat by the treasury box. And then he said they were bringing their tithes and their offerings. And all of a sudden a widow came up. And dropped in money into there. And look, here's what Jesus was doing according to the Bible. All right. He was watching. Thank you. He was watching. You mean God watches what I do? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you this. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says that Jesus is the exact representation, the exact nature of the Father. Why was he watching? Because he was doing what the Father does. He says, look, I'm looking. Now, he's not just looking at the amount that you give. When we started giving, uh, we had the other day, she reminded me of a story. We wrote out a, a fake check. Now, we didn't try to give it to anybody, but we put it in our Bible as a goal. This is a goal of our offering. I remember when we wrote this. We wrote out this check. We said to the kingdom of God. We want to be a giver like God. We wrote on that as a goal. As a dream. And it was for $500. We want to be able to write one check for $500 to advance the kingdom of God. We kept that check in our Bible for a long time. So every time we'd pass by it, we'd look at it and see it. And it'd keep that alive. It'd keep us in expectation. We wrote that thing out. When we wrote that for $500, you might as well have been talking about a million. $500 was as far away. I mean, it was so far away. But we want to be like God. We want to be like a giver. And we might not could do it now, but we're dreaming that one day we could. But see, God says this, if you won't give in the small, you won't give in the big. So we didn't need to start at 500. We need to start with the the $5 or the $10 or the dollar. One of the biggest offerings I ever gave was one penny. 
One penny. Hear this. I wanted to give to God so bad. I was at a conference. It took every dollar I had to get to that conference. I barely had gas to get to it and get home. And I had $7 in my bank account. And I was hoping that something didn't click clear that I forgot about, all right? I was like, man, please don't let something clear while I'm at this conference because uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm hoping I got enough gas to get home. This was in 2001. I'm hoping I got enough. I had already been in one service, and I said, Lord, I want to give so bad. I want to give so bad. And I gave everything I had. I gave all my cash I had, which wasn't but like eight bucks, right? I gave it all there. Then I was in another service later that afternoon, and I didn't have any money. I said, Lord, I want to give. I want to give in this offering. It doesn't even have to be much, but I want to give. But I already know. I've already checked my pockets. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. But Lord, I want to be like you. I want to be a giver. Lord, let me sow something. The, the Bible says this. If you will purpose in your heart to be a giver. If you will purpose in your heart to be a giver. God will give seed to the sower. God will give seed to the sower. If you will purpose in your heart to be a giver. While I'm sitting there, the Lord says this to me. He says, reach back in your pocket. I thought, Lord, I've already checked my pockets. I went through them thoroughly. He said, reach back in your pocket. I reached back in my pocket and I have no idea where it came from, but right I pulled out a shiny penny. Now, that might not sound like a, a lot, but to me, it's everything I had that day. And I didn't have it just a few minutes ago. God provided seed to the sower. That offering that day, I still remember it. It's 2019. Now I remember it was 2001. The biggest offering I ever gave in my life, in our lives, it was one penny. It wasn't the amount. It was my heart to be a giver. When we start to become a giver, God opens up a flow from heaven. He is watching not the amount. He's watching the heart and when he has principles laid out in here that he says look I am not mocked I will do what I said I would do and if you will be a big giver in your heart you will get big rewards and if you'll be a small giver you'll be you'll only have small rewards this is Bible this is scripture this is not just some preacher saying what he wants no this is scripture Galatians 6 go read it He's not mocked. I didn't write that. The Holy Ghost wrote that. I said, Lord, I want to be a giver. Those years right there, we didn't have much. But what we did have, we started to give. Things started changing. Things started changing. That was 2001. The biggest offering I had was a dollar. All of a sudden, uh, in 2005, we were in this house in Albemarle, able to buy it. Able to, uh, the bank let us have it. Glory to God. I was like, it's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. I just, man, the bank. We're like, okay, we approved your loan. I'm like, don't tell nobody. Let's have the date now. Let's sign it now. I was like, they let us have Oh, my goodness gracious. Do you know how big that was? And then somewhere along the line, guess what we did? We wrote a check to give $500. Now since that period of time, it's continued to grow. Why? Because God is faithful to his word. It doesn't have to be a lot. 
It just has to be your heart. Lord, I want to be like you. And, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. See, if you don't trust God, you won't let go of what you have. You'll trust what's in your hand. If you don't trust him, you won't let go of what you have because you trust what's in your hand more than you trust him. It's a system where God says, I have a way to go around the devil, but you've got to trust me. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. So right now, I just want you, if you're ready uh, to give, I want you to hold up your offering. I want you to stand on your feet when you're ready to give. Lord, right now, God watches, and according to your word, God rewards. God rewards. As you're preparing your offering, let me tell you this story. I have a friend. He might even be watching online. He's way up north. Wherever he's at, it's really, really cold tonight. Up near Maine. Up near Canada. One day... He was sitting in a meeting and there was a preacher preaching. And he was, the preacher was talking about uh, prosperity and was talking about giving and pr- talking about a hundredfold return. And uh, he said, if you'll give, God will bless you. It's a principle in his word. My friend didn't believe it. My friend, now listen, listen, that envelope you have, that can jumpstart it. That envelope right there is m- worth more than that penny I gave that day. That envelope right there that you have. Hold up your envelope. Everybody, hold it up. They don't have one back there. They're not holding it up. Get them to them. Hold up your envelope. What you got right there in your hand is worth more than that offering that kick-started our finances. What you have right there, if you'll just say, hey, I'm going to give it back to the church, even if there's nothing in it. But Lord, I trust you. Here's what happened to my friend. He said, I I wanted to give. All right, you can set them down for just a second. He said, I decided I'm just going to give. I don't even like this preacher. I don't even like it, but I'm just going to try to do it. He said, I'm going to just go. And and he took $10. The guy was talking about a hundredfold return. He said, I took $10. He said, I went up to the offering, and he said, I was mad putting it in. I I was like, and he threw his $10 in. He said, by the end of the week, I had an extra $1,000 come in, which is exactly a hundredfold return. He went, dang, maybe this stuff is real. All of a sudden, he's one of the biggest givers I know to this day, and he is responsible for many people coming to Christ because he learned one of the small things of God's giving, one of the small things of God's system about giving. This right here tonight can change everything in your life. But we got to do it God's way. We can't keep doing it the world's way. How well has the world's way worked for you so far? Not too good, but God's way will change everything. Stand on your feet, lift your offering up. Lord, right now, we just thank you, we praise you. Lord, we want to kickstart our giving. We want to move to a higher place. Lord, we're tired of having that. Everybody stand up, stand on your feet. Lift your offering up. Glory to God. Lord, see, one of the things about about the Lord is this. When he's speaking through somebody, your obedience brings the blessing. 
But if you don't learn, if you, all you want to do is rebel against the things of God and not listen, you're going to find yourself in opposition. It doesn't work well. But if you'll be obedient, God says, I'll pour out blessings on your life. We've got to learn, I'm going to do it God's way and not my way. Amen? All right. Lord, right now, every one of these envelopes represents a condition of the heart. So now you decide right now with your eyes closed, what's the condition of your heart? Are you happy to give? Are you cheerful to give? Are you just mad about it? Like I wish he'd just shut up and let Stephen preach. <laughs> At least be honest. That's okay. Just like my friend that night, he didn't even like it. What's the condition of your heart? God says he loves. God says, the Bible says, he loves a cheerful giver. If I find myself in the middle of God's love, everything changes. And I can put myself in the middle of God's love simply by changing my heart. So Lord, right now, these envelopes, they represent a heart. Lord, as they desire to give, Father, on that level, I ask that you bless it. Press it down, shake it together, and let it run over back to their life. Lord, for the people who have moved over to that cheerful heart of giving, Lord, break through in the name of Jesus. Lord, let them have testimonies, even tonight and even tomorrow. Let them break through in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for it. We praise you. And Lord, we give, we give, we give in a great heart that wants to give to you because, Lord, we love you and we trust you. Lord, kickstart our finances. Turn it all around. Supernaturally erase debt. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to give with a cheerful heart, let your amen be the loudest. And as you do, step out here. Amen? amen. Glory to God. Let's give.
Hallelujah. Go ahead and keep your hands lifted. I just felt a song in the spirit I just wanted us to sing. It's very easy. It starts like this. Ladies, if you could help me. I don't think that's it. <laughs> Amen. You got to flow, guys, but you're doing good. We love you. Ladies, help. It's always good to laugh. Amen. Amen. But I was sitting there, and man, I feel a wonderful presence of the Lord tonight. I'm telling you, the Lord is going to do mighty things. He's already did mighty things. But let's go ahead and sing this song. It's called Hallelujah. Go ahead and help me out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Hallelujah. You sound good. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Sing, Lord, I love you.
Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you with every hand lifted. Lord, that you come and fill this place. Father, fill this place with the glory of the Lord. Come and fill it like a cloud. Don't let one person leave this place the same way they came. Lord, people have been coming all week so far. People have been receiving touches. But Lord, stir their hunger even now. Lord, reveal to them that there's more that you have for them. There's a high place that you're wanting to take them to. Lord, if there's people here for the first time, Father, we thank you that they feel your presence even now. If they've never been in a church for a while, I thank you that they will just feel something different that they've never felt before. We welcome you. We thank you for your presence. We know you're already here. Have your way tonight. Holy Spirit, this is your service. We give you full control. Do whatever you want to do. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all the saints of God shouted, Amen. Amen Amen and Amen. Now before you sit down, say this after me. Say, The Lord is good. good. And His mercy mercy endures forever. forever. One more time. Say, The Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. One more time. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Now give the Lord a great shout of praise and go ahead and take your seat. Oh, come on. Let's try that one more time, church. Give the Lord a great shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Man, it's Tuesday night, and it is blowing cold and wet outside, and you are a bunch of crazy people for coming to church. So I know that I'm full of a room uh, full of hungry, expectant people. Amen? Amen? Amen. Have you been having a good time in the services so far? Amen. Who is here for the first time? You haven't been here at any of the services. Wave your hand at me. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Anybody else? Man, welcome tonight. We're glad you're here. We have some more coming in. Thank you. It's good to see you. Man, I'm telling you, the service has been powerful. Wasn't last night wonderful? Man, I'm telling you, just the power of God just poured out in the place. It was awesome. He touched many people with his power. It was, it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Just looking at your faces, just seeing how you are, seeing if, you're, if the cold's getting to you or what. But don't worry, you're in here now, the fire of God's here is going to warm you right up, amen? Amen, Amen. there you are, I was looking for you. Come up here real quick. Now you're going to have to remind me your name again, but the Lord Lord did something in your life last night. Miss Nancy, I'm glad you came back, Miss Nancy. Go ahead and come right over here, just face the people. Man, you're you're not a member of this church, are you? And he's still, you feel it right now, don't you? I'm telling you, I feel the same thing. Amen. Man, Miss Nancy, tell these people, what, what did God do for you last night? I had a feeling come over me I've never felt before. Wow. He's good. God is good. Amen. And it's been a while. I've been in God back in my life. And last night, he came back in my life, and I just felt the fire, the warmth of God's love. Amen. You were just on the floor, just weeping and crying. Have you ever been like that before? No. No. And I'm still that way tonight. I know. I can see it. <laughs> but, it's a, but it's a good thing, right? Cry. It's a good cry. It's a good cry. Man, the Lord's just, the presence of God is all over you. Amen. 
Amen. I'm glad you came tonight. We love you. And I know you were, you were looking for a church home, and I you was. said you think you found it, right? I found it, yeah. I think you did, too. Man, just give Miss Nancy a great hand clap as she goes back. Thank you, Miss Nancy. Man, it has been wonderful. Hey, I want you to come here. That's all right. And how are you? I'm good. Good, good. Remind me your name again. Chelsea. Chelsea. Now, Chelsea, God did something for you last night. Mm-hmm. Amen. Just tell the people a little bit what happened, if you can. Well, <laughs> so, um, I don't know, like, power of God hit me, and I was on the floor sobbing, and there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. And then, next thing I know, I'm laughing. Really? And then sobbing again, and then... Ending it with laughter. (laughs) You were like on the ground for like ever. I was. (laughs) You just couldn't get up, huh? I just had to lay there and take it. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think the Lord Lord touched your husband too. Go ahead and come up here. We want to hear from you as well. Man, y'all been believing for, for this, right? Oh, yeah. Amen. Yes. And, and what, what did God do for you last night? They put me in the fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> You're just helpless. Huh? Yeah, there wasn't much I could do. <laughs> I think Johnny and George caught me because yeah. I, uh, I was getting ready to hit the floor, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, once, uh, once the joy happened, it was on. Yeah. It was good, though, eh? Amen. Amen. It was good. Amen. Would you, who would you, how would you recommend it to the people that are here for the first time tonight? What, what could you tell them? Hmm. Don't hold back. Yeah. Don't, don't try to stop it. Just let it go. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's awesome. Amen. Yeah. Are you ready for more tonight? Oh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Give them a round of applause. Man, I'm telling you, I could go around and just start calling all sorts of people up. Miss Lisa. Good to see you. How are you? You stand up for me real quick? Just right where you are. Give me a little shimmy. Where's that pain that you used to have? It ain't there. What did you say? It's not there. It's not there. And how long was it there? Well, it had been there for several weeks real bad. And, uh, but, yeah, I've had back issues for a long time where I couldn't even drive a car. Couldn't even hardly drive a car. Now, what would you tell the people in here that are needing a touch in their body? They might need not just a, a feeling of joy or something, but they might need a healing or a miracle in their body. It's real. It's, it's real. So they can go home with it tonight, right? Yes. Yes. All they got to do is ask for it. Man, it's that easy. Man, thank you. Hey, it's good to see you. Man, miracles were happening in the Pizza Hut. Pastor Brian and I we prayed for right in the Pizza Hut. Boom, instantly. God healed her back, just like that. Man, she didn't have to go to the doctor, pay thousands of dollars, get, have them cut open, mess with their nerves, all sorts of stuff, instantly. You don't have to be like the world. And my cousin-in-law says this a lot. He says, your story is going to be different. And I like that. I heard him say it again today. He says, other people's story is not going to be my story. Man, and I'm telling you, when you serve the Lord, everything is different. Amen? Man. I'm telling you, there's such a sweet presence of God here already. I'm going to touch on a couple things tonight, but tonight I'm going to be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and how important he is in our life. 
And who, when we were singing, just by a show of hands, when we started singing and came in unity, you felt something change in the place. It's like you felt the presence of God fall upon you. Wave your hand at me. Even in the back. Amen. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here with us. He is God with us. Jesus said, you need the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you a comforter. And when he comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to show you things to come. And I'm jumping forward in my message, but I'm telling you, he is so important to us. We cannot do what Christ calls us to without him. Because God expects us to bear fruit, and God wants you to bear fruit. Amen? I think I touched on this the other day, that the fruit that a Christian should be bearing is other Christians. Amen? We reproduce ourselves. Just like an apple tree produces apple, just like a pear tree produces pears. A Christian should produce other Christians. Amen? But you need the Holy Spirit in order to do that properly. You can't do it properly without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's why he told the apostles, before they went and did anything, he says, wait. He said, don't do a single thing. Wait and tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. Because when God sent Jesus, he came to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus came. He came for other people. He came for others. God cares about every single person that's ever born, that's ever walks across the horizon of time here on this earth. He doesn't want one person to perish and go to hell. That's how good God is. He sent Jesus here. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the Spirit of Christ. So literally, God's heart comes into us. So if you meet someone that has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, they are concerned and they're always, literally, they have a passion and they're worried. They, they love the nations of the world. They love other people. They think about other people. That's the first thing that happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. You get, a, you get the heart of God. And the heartbeat of God is souls. It's other people. We have to take as many people with us to heaven as possible. People are literally on a highway to hell, just like the song says. It says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there are that are on it. Many. Who can think of someone right now that, I mean, you know, if Jesus was to come back tonight, they would split hell wide open like a speeding bullet. I can think of several people. We have to do something about it. That's why God sends us the Holy Spirit. That's why God touches us. Because God touches you so he can touch people through you. The more that God touches you, the more that God does a work in you, the more he can do through you. The more radical the touch, the more radical it will be through you. Amen? That's why it's so important that we get hungry this week and we press in. We say, God, do whatever you want to do on the inside of me so you can use me to reach the world. Amen? And I know on this Tuesday night that's freezing outside, raining snow, no reason why you should go to church. Let's just sit home, go ahead and put on the Hallmark Channel. We know the Christmas movies are on. Sit back with a hot cup of coffee and just relax. That's what the world and what your natural brain should tell you. Man, why am I going to get up and just go to church? I just need to just take out. I was there Sunday morning. I was there Sunday night. I was there Monday night. Why do I got to go again? Because y'all are some hungry, crazy people. And I know God is going to use you. Amen. And if you're going to be used to help reap that end-time harvest, go ahead and shout amen. 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 Now, I mentioned the word others. 
That is so important to me. Others. When I first started ministry, I only knew a couple things. I love to travel, and I love people. I love to travel, and I love people. Come to find out God would call me in evangelistic ministry, so he would send me and make me travel, and then I get to meet people around the world and help people. So he already put that desire in my heart before I even knew what he called me to do. That's all I knew. I just wanted to help people. I knew what God did in my life, and I wanted to go and see that happen in other people's lives. I can tell you stories how God has literally transformed my heart for people. Because I used to be a rough, tough guy. I was talking with Christian. I got to like kind of go back in time a little bit. He kind of like sparked, sparked some uh, old desires that I had that I kind of forgotten about a little bit because you get so focused in ministry. And Christian, we were out to lunch, and man, he started telling me how he loved to ride bulls and everything like that. And I was like, man, I was like, I actually used to do that when I was in high school. He said, what? Are you kidding me? I said, yeah, every Wednesday night for about two years, we would load up in the back of a Chevy crazy drive down the interstate no seat belts no nothing my friend's grandma would drive us because none of us had a car <laughs> we, we would save up our money and scrounge and work all week just to pay the the fee to be able to ride and get in <laughs> it's about it was about uh what 60 bucks or something like that. it was like it was pretty cheap back then. Was, as it went up to be able to ride okay so they kept it pretty much the same but, man, we'd save up money all week. I would literally skip lunches and save all my lunch money just so I can ride and go to the rodeo. And, man, I remembered all that. And I'm like, man, that was, that was wild, a wild trip. And one night, one time I just uh, flipped off and then just the, the thing was grinding me in the ground. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I want to do this the rest of my life. And so <laughs> something changed. <laughs> but, man, I love it. I love uh, riding bulls, grew up farming out citrus, and man, like God radically changed my heart because I used to be a tough, rebellious young man. I mean, I think I mentioned it the other night. They had to change the rules every year I was in high school. Serious. I'll tell the people that aren't here. It's I'm. It's funny to laugh at, but it's serious. From ninth grade to my second senior year. <laughs> You used to be able to leave class anytime you wanted, walk to the bathroom. By the time I left, you had to wear a yellow vest and carry this big sign that had a key to the restroom. Because they'd lock the restrooms in a high school because of how crazy I was and all the rules that I would break. Wild stuff. They had to double the sheriff's security and stuff they'd keep on the campus because we would just get out. We would do crazy stuff. I mean, we'd let chickens go in the school and then they'd start going. I'm telling you, we had a big, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. You got me on it. <laughs> but we, <laughs> I'm telling you, we, there was a big mall. It's where we'd eat, and then, like, all the hallways branch off this mall. And we'd, like, let chickens go in there because where I'm from, they had, like, the biggest ag department of the school. So we could, like, actually leave campus and go and just work. So I really didn't care about sitting in class and stuff because I didn't see the point of me learning all this stuff because I was just going to go work. Didn't, I don't need to know algebra and all this stuff. So I would leave and just go work and just work in the fields for the school. But, like, sometimes we'd just be a little rebellious young men. We'd take, like, a, one of the young steers or something and let it go in the school, and it'd be running crazy. And they'd call a stop to classes to try and go chase chickens and all this stuff. Chickens running. I mean, I'm talking, like, 30 chickens just loose in the school. 
They'd get like up in the air duct somehow. It was, it was wild. Lord, help me. Bring me back over here. Why am I talking about chickens in the high school? But God, I didn't care. The point is, I really didn't care about other people. I didn't think about other people at all. I was one of the most selfish people you met. I had lots of friends and stuff, but really, the root of it, I was just selfish. I didn't care about other people. Not, not one bit. But when I received the Holy Spirit, literally, he took out my heart. And literally, it's like the heart of God was placed in my chest. And literally, it beats for others. Now, so much so that I'll give the shirt of my back to help somebody else. And I've done it before. But others are so important. William Booth, he was actually the founder of the Salvation Army. Of course, the Salvation Army is a little bit different than it used to be. The Salvation Army was the Salvation Army. They were pioneering the world. They were seeing people get saved around the globe. And one day, he sent a letter to all of his like officers, I believe he called them, around the world. And he wrote one word in the letters that he sent them. Just one single word to every single one. When they opened it up, It shocked every single one of them. And that one word was others. That's all the letter said. And it it started to make his leaders think. Other people are needing salvation. Other people are needing a roof over over their head. Other people don't have shoes on their feet tonight. Other people are going to bed hungry. Other people are sick and dying. Others. That's what happens when we receive the spirit in the heart of God. We begin to think and care about others. They cared, he cared about others so much that they used to give out an others award in the Salvation Army. You could actually win the others award. The person that was able to reach the most souls that year. You'd win the others award. It was amazing. Amazing stuff. He was a great general of God. But go ahead and turn with me. I'm going to share my heart with you guys. And it's really, I believe, is the heart of God. Because I've aligned myself with him. And he changes me day by day. But my favorite books of the Bible, or my favorite chapters of the Bible, I should say this. I love the whole Bible, through and through. But the stuff I find myself coming back to more than any other place is John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Man, I can get lost in those scriptures. But I'm going to read one thing to you. I'm starting off with fruit. We have fruit in our life because we're connected. This is what it says in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing for the Lord without being connected. That's why, I don't know if you notice, I've been asking the people that have been coming. I'm like, I just kind of feel in my heart to ask. And then the Lord proves it. He, he proves it correct just by the answers that I hear. I said, You've been looking for a home church, haven't you? And a lot of people say, yeah, I have been. I said, 
I think you found your home church, haven't you? And then they just feel it. They feel that same check in their spirit. Yeah, yeah, I think I have. God needs you connected because if you run off by yourself, or maybe in America we have what's called the grasshopper Christian. They, they'll come to one Sunday morning, then the pastor will say something they don't like, and then boom, well, let's go hop over here to this church, check them out. Then the worship leader will look at them funny, and boom, they'll hop over here to another church. Then the ushers get, won't hold the door for them, so now they'll hop over somewhere, somewhere else. But then the, nothing, that person ends up never changing because no church is perfect. Because even if you found the perfect church, the moment you went there, it would become, become imperfect because people are imperfect. Amen? So we have to be connected. We have to be rooted and grounded. We have to let the Lord plant us in a place. I preached a message uh, I think Sunday night, it was planted, rooted, and grounded. You have to get planted because that's how you become fruitful. You can't be fruitful in your life without staying connected. Amen? Amen. I'm going to share a key with you real quick. This is a key that will change your life. Are you ready for it? Do you want to know how to get every one of your prayers answered? Every single one of your prayers answered. Do you, want, do you want to know how to make that happen? There's a key in the Bible to where you can do something, and literally every single of prayer that you pray to God, he has to answer. You say, what? You're looking at me like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Are you ready for it? This is a key. If you want to write it down, you can write it down. I'm going to read it to you. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. A little bit before that, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same shall bring forth much Fruit. When you bring forth fruit from your life and you abide in Christ, you can ask him whatever you wilt. And he shall do it for you. When you're a fruit producer, your prayers will be answered. God has to answer your prayers. Amen? Is anybody excited about that? That sounds pretty awesome, right? Man. God has to answer our prayers when we produce fruit. He's bound by his word. I like to say this. Be afraid. Be very afraid of a fruitful man's prayers. Because they will come to pass. Beware of a fruitful man's prayers. Because they will happen. Amen. God wants you to be a fruitful man and a fruitful woman. And he's wanting to answer your prayers. But we have to do something on our side. Amen? Amen. But it first comes by receiving the Holy Spirit. God wants us to bear fruit, but we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. That's why he is so important to us. Jesus didn't do anything without seeing what he, his father did and hearing what his father did. But Jesus didn't even start his ministry until he received the Holy Spirit. 
So if Jesus had to wait until we received the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? Amen? Amen. I'm going to read John 15. I'm going to continue one more verse. I'm telling you, these are my favorite books of the Bible. I can talk on it all night. John 15, verse 8. Let me say this first. Do you want to know? There's another key. I'm throwing out keys tonight because you guys are hungry and thirsty. These are pearls. These are special things that will change your life if you apply them. Do you want to know how to make God very, very happy with you? How to make him extremely happy? Here's a key. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples when we bear much fruit. When you bear fruit, God is happy, extremely happy. It says he's glorified. Hey, amen. Glorified. Let me give you an example of that. The perfect example of someone being glorified is a bride on her wedding day. She is the happiest woman out of all of the women on that day. No other woman is allowed to wear a dress like her because she is the most glorified and most honored and happy person. Everyone is there for her. The food is there for her. Her husband is waiting, her husbandman is waiting for her. A bride is the most happiest on that day. Women wait their whole life and dream. I mean, you think about princess stories and all this stuff. I know I can ask, go around and ask some of the ladies. You ever think about the day that you're going to get married, how you would want it, the flowers that you would like. You see other, other girls, and when they get married, like, I would have never wore that dress. I don't know what she was thinking. <laughs> but she thought it was the most wonderful thing in the world, and she was glorified on that day. When you bear much fruit, you make God feel like that. Yeah. You glorify him. Amen? Yeah. Say, I'm going to bear fruit. Gonna bear fruit. Much, fruit. much fruit. How do you bear fruit? Get connected. Thanks for asking. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, we're going to be good friends, Christian. (laughs) Hallelujah. Man, these are some keys. I wrote these keys down because I wanted you to catch them. Here's another key. Third key I'm going to give you tonight. Why do some people have the presence of God and the anointing? Like when you come in Pastor Brian's church and he preaches, you're like, man, something is different. Something's different about that guy. And then you go somewhere else and you hear people and it's like you walk in the church and it's like dead, cold religion. It's like during the communion, they passed out lemon juice to everybody. and They (laughs) got a big Bible, sit there, oh, bless God, hallelujah, super religious, act like they're holier than thou. But then you see them walk out to the parking lot, and they're getting a punch out, and then they're smoking a cigarette, getting in the car, running home, and then heading to the bar. Bless God. Uh (laughs) Aha. But then when 
something happens, like you get in their services and they start talking, you don't feel a thing. You're just like, man, I got to get out of here. I'm ready to go home. Why do I, why did I even come? I regret even coming. It's like, but then you have other services to where last night you come in his church and then we just sit down and like we're just sitting down. It's like we forget about the giveaways. We forget about what's going on. It's just like we could stay here all night. What makes the difference? Why do some men carry the anointing, some women carry the anointing, and others don't carry the anointing? Here's the key. Turn with me over to John 14. John 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments, or keepeth my commandments, and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. And I will manifest myself to him. You hear about stories where people see God and it's like, they, it's like, oh, God's my best friend. They got all these stories about the manifestations of the presence of God. God literally comes and will manifest himself to people that have and know God's word and then keep and do God's word. God manifests his self to those people. Here's the second part of the key. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. Say, how do you get God to love you? Obey him. You ever go, it's like a young kid when they learn. The Father is more pleased with the child when they obey, right? Parents that are in here, they're like, yeah, because I'm tired of beating my kid, I'll tell you what. Let me finish that verse. The Father will love him, and we, say, and we, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. They will, it says, we will come and live and abide with him. I will manifest myself to them. Then we will come and stay not to depart. Some men walk in, and then it's like God walks in the room. Other men walk in, and it's like you want to walk out of the room. That is key. The Holy Spirit is so important. He is so important to us. We can't live this life without him. Jesus said, don't worry, guys. He says, look. The disciples, they were getting worried. Like, Jesus is about to take off. He says, look, don't worry. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to pray the Father that he'll send you another comforter. So you will not have to do this life by yourself. God himself said it's not good for man to be alone. God wants to help you with all the affairs of your life. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. He's here ready to help you. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
But we just have to enact, we have to literally put these scriptures to work for us so we can allow the Holy Spirit to help us. It's kind of like this. It's like you're trying to build a house by yourself. You buy all the materials, get everything delivered to the property, get the construction crew there, got the cement trucks waiting, everything's set up to go. You got the trusses, the electrics there, everything's there that you need, the tractors to level the ground, even all of the men that are there to help you. And it's like you saying, you know what? Okay, guys, y'all go sit over there. I got this. And you try and build the house by yourself. That's going to be one hard life. And you probably won't finish. Because you probably won, you probably won't know how to do everything. And then you can't build a house by yourself. You need help. You can't hang trusses by yourself. There's no way. Who's ever seen trusses in here? Those big old wooden things that they lift up most of the time with cranes and set in place. You need at least four guys to properly install trusses. I've seen some guys try and do it with two guys, and then literally, I mean, they're strong guys. They picked up those jokers. I mean, it's, it's impressive what some of those construction workers can do. But those guys ended up getting hurt. The truss slipped. Well, they, they nailed some, some in, but then one slipped, and it flipped around, and it threw one of the guys in the air. And boom, he landed. Of course, he was a, like a rock already, got up, but he had some broken bones. You need help. We need help in this life. Jesus knew that we needed his help. We needed the Holy Spirit. That's why he took the time to go and make sure that he, the first thing he did when he got to heaven, look, I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to ask them and pray that he sends you the Holy Spirit. Then on the day of Pentecost, boom, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended. Amen? So those are some keys right there. A key to always be anointed. To always carry the presence of God and have God with you wherever you go. Know his word and do his word. And God will be with you wherever you go. A key to always get every prayer answered. Be fruitful. My generation and younger, there's a big prayer movement that goes on. It's great. We need prayer. Have to have prayer. We can't, most people wouldn't even be here without prayer. I wouldn't be here without someone that prayed for me. But all they do is they pray. They pray for the nations. That's wonderful. That's great. We need intercessors. But at one point, there's going to have to come a time where you say, okay, I've prayed. Now I have to go. Because Jesus didn't say, go and make prayer rooms and pray for the nations of the world that they might be saved. He said, no, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Not go ye make prayer rooms and pray for the nations. Amen? Amen? Prayer is important. We have to have it. But we have to go. We have to be fruitful. And a lot of those prayers that I hear, because they actually got a live stream, you can watch it. They live stream their prayer all the time. And it gets into like some of the craziest stuff I've ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) I see an elephant. And the elephant is coming around. And I see he's surrounded by light. And the trunk flows up. He's a purple elephant. And (laughs) I I can't even do it. 
I can't, I can't fake that stuff. It's, it's terrible. It's garbage. Okay, God will use us in prayer. He'll give us dreams and visions, but we have to go. Amen. There's others waiting. He's wanting people to go and be fruitful. And then when we do that, literally, we open up every other area of the Bible to us. Amen. Amen. John 16, verse 13. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he shall show you things to come. He's your teacher. He's your guide. That's how God is with us. That's how God's omnipresent everywhere at the same time by his spirit. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, we need him much more. There was a testimony when I was in Bible school. God gave the girl, uh, a young girl a vision about the Holy Spirit. And it was like this. He showed her walking through the mall. And she was walking through the mall and she was handcuffed to Jesus. Because, of course, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. She was handcuffed to Jesus. And she was dragging him everywhere that she went, pulling him around. And ignoring him everywhere that she went. And then it showed her sitting down, hand in hand. And she was reading her Bible. And Jesus was pointing and it looked like he was teaching her. The scripture. He said, you can live a life as a Christian one or two ways. One way that I'm handcuffed with you and I have to go with you and never be able to help you everywhere that you go. Or you can walk hand in hand with me and I can lead you and guide you through this life and make you a great, mighty man or woman of God. And you can do great and mighty things for God on the earth. One or two ways. God wants to help you. He's with you. You think, well, there's only so much of the Holy Spirit to go around. Well, Pastor Brian's already got like a ton of the Holy Spirit, so how is he going to be able to be over there and be with me at the same time? One word. Actually, one answer. He is God. There's enough of him to go around for all of us. He can be with him and be with me and be with you all at the same time. You say, well, my prayers and my life is really not that important. No. You are important to God. He cares about your life. But we have to involve him. You need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it. Don't do anything until you've received the promise. It's a promise. It's like Christmas time. You go and there's presents under the tree. And of course... Uh, my wife's family, they go all out at Christmas. There's presents everywhere. Everywhere. Their stockings are pillowcases. Literally. It's like, man, it's like, this like would have been the gifts for me at the house, just the pillowcase. <laughs> then there's more presents and more presents and more presents. And it's like, imagine this. Christmas morning, you're sitting there, you're opening up all, you've, all of your presents and then 
there's one really big one still underneath the tree. It has your name right on it. And you just say, you know what? Nah, I don't need it. I've ha- I-, I have enough presents. I'm going to leave that over there. If somebody has a gift for you, has a promise, has a present for you, you're going to want to receive that, right? Especially when it's free and it's there for the taking. The Lord gave me a word for the church when I walked in the other day. It's a word for the church. There is a table of opportunity set before you. It's up to you how much or how little you want to participate. There's a banquet table set before you. It's kind of like going to the Golden Corral. Paying the money to get your plate. You say, ah, I just want a few grapes and maybe a, a spoonful of cottage cheese. That's all I want. No way, buddy. I want the steak. They go and they're starting to slice off the steak. You sit there, you're like, keep coming. Let's go. You're standing there, it's like, there's no one behind me. And you have a, like a 15-pound roast. Cut me another piece of meat. Come on. Cut it thick. I paid at the door. It says all you can eat. They try and slice it as thin as possible. No. You load and pile up that plate. And then most of the time, I don't even finish it all. It's like, I like this. No, I didn't like that. Eat some more. Push it to the side. Leave it there. And go get another plate. That's what it's like in the spirit. There's a buffet table set before you. You can have as much or as little as you want. It's up to you. It's up to you. You look around, it's like, how is that guy increasing in the spirit so much? How is, is God doing things in his life that he's not doing in others? He's eating at the table, baby. He's going back for seconds. He's going back for thirds. He's loading up, and he's actually putting a roll in his pocket and taking it home. I've done it. Honest truth. Jesus. Her, her grandmother takes Ziploc bags with her when she goes. Yeah. You said all you can eat. All you can eat. Whatsoever you ask, he will do it for you. Ask big. But you got to do something. Get busy. We have to work. But before we work, we need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit. You need a relationship with Him. And I'm telling you, honest to God truth, He is my best friend. My wife is my best friend. I have another close friend. His name's Jordan. But the Holy Spirit is closer to me than they are to me. He means more to me than they do. You say, what? Man, your wife's sitting right there. She's happy. She wants God to mean more to me than she does. Because if God means more to me, then she knows that I'm never going to do her wrong. Because that would hurt my relationship with the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Mm. Stirring the kitty litter tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me tell you about a couple encounters. You can encounter God. Like, when I say my best friend, I mean my best friend. He saved my life many times. 
just because I was able to hear his voice and, and I responded and I listened to it. I have a friend that was in Turkey. We used to be roommates in Bible school. I don't know if he, he knows that I tell this testimony, but man, I'm proud of him. God's called him into the ministry, and man, God is using him mightily. He was in Turkey when all of the riots were going off. That's a country in the Middle East. And it's not a good place to be a Christian. You'll go missing very quickly if you don't know what you're doing. But the riots are happening. There's tear gas going off. There's guns. The government is shooting people. I mean, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff that we have never seen on our shores. And all of a sudden, he's caught right in the middle of it. He was going down there to preach to people in the park. And then all of a sudden, the army rolls in, and then protesters roll in. Roll in. He didn't know. He went down there innocently, wanting to help people, wanting to tell people about Jesus. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, stop, because he was walking. Holy Spirit tells him, turn around. He turns around. There's, I mean, it's, there's like bombs, there's guns, there's tear gas. You can't breathe. You can't see. Tear gas is nasty stuff. Definitely when you just have to walk through it and can't get out of it. Can't breathe. He said, Holy Spirit says, turn around. He says, walk. He starts walking. People are running by him, screaming, sirens, everything. I mean, just imagine chaos. He's walking, he's walking, he's walking. He says, Holy Spirit says, stop. Gunfire happens. If he would have kept walking, he would have just been dead. Holy Spirit says, walk. Goes, now he's walking into alleys, walked out of the park. Now the Holy Spirit says, run. So he just starts running. Then the Holy Spirit says, turn left. He turns left. Holy Spirit says, run. Holy Spirit says, stop. Turn right. Go. Stop. Get behind this. Eyes behind trash can. Truck goes by. The guy with a gun on the back. Literally, before he knew it, about 30 minutes went by, just listening to the Holy Spirit going, stopping, ducking, following his every word. He's running down the street, and all of a sudden he passes the door where he lives. He, he stops. He finally recognizes it, runs back, goes inside, and God spared his life because of his relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's important. What I'm teaching you tonight will save people's lives in here. I'm going to tell you a couple quick testimonies. Because I didn't always have this relationship with the Holy Spirit. I almost died many, many times. There was a lot of crap I could have avoided in my life if I would have known what I'm telling you tonight. When I first started serving the Lord, and I'm telling you, it's so important. You can have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit like a husband and a wife. You can be so close. So close. With God himself. It's no joke. When I was a boy, I was at Dover Baptist down in Florida. I was saved under a Billy Graham crusade. And my parents, it was like they were pastors, but they weren't. My dad was over all of the young boys. My mom was over all of the young girls. My mom used to do all the decorating at the church, doing the flowers and stuff like that. That's why I appreciate lovely stuff like this. I know what it takes, and it goes in to the ladies that keep the, the church clean. I'm telling you, don't take that lightly. God sees everything that you do for him. He's watching. Pastor Brian said it earlier. He's watching every move. 
He's not slack to forget. He is a rewarder of his harvesters. He pays his harvesters good wages. You want to learn another key to kickstart your finances? Be a soul winner. Be fruitful. God will make sure your bank account never runs out. You say, how do you know? I've experienced it. But I was a boy, and I was always at the church. So I would just run around and get lost. There's a humongous Baptist church down in Florida. I would get lost. I'd go hide, play hide-and-seek there and stuff. But sometimes, ever since I got saved in that crusade, I would just sometimes just, I would feel something with me. I wouldn't know what it was. But all of a sudden, me and Pastor Brian, we talked about it. It's like, it's like you're there, and you look around, and it's like, there's somebody here. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but there's someone here. And sometimes I would go hide, and I would hide in the baptismal, in the baptism tank. The other night, I don't know what Pastor, Pastor Brian didn't know it, but I was walking up to check out the baptism tank because I remember what happened in the baptism tank. There wasn't water in there. I would just go hide in there. He's like, you can actually peek your head out around and see everybody here when you walk back up in there. But I would go hide in there, and I would sit down, and I'd be hiding and I would just sit there and I'd start singing, you know, just a little innocent boy, you know. And then all of a sudden, I'd be in there and it's like something would come over me. I would just begin to cry and cry and cry. All I knew is I just loved Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus. I love Jesus so much. God, I love you so much. I feel goosebumps. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything about it. No one ever told me. I didn't know I could have a, like a, a one-on-one relationship with God. I just knew that I just whatever I felt was, was awesome, and it just touched my heart, and I would just cry because of my love for Jesus. But that, that's, it's really never left. I would try and run as far as possible, but then as soon as I, it's like I took a couple steps back, it's like phew, he'd meet me back. He's always ready to take you back. So no matter how far you are away from, from God, all you have to do is turn around and come back. And literally, he will meet you right where you're at. Another one I really wanted to tell you was when I first really started serving the Lord in ministry. I went over to another church after God saved my life in a field. And I started serving God there. I started like helping with the worship team. Got my acoustic guitar kumbaya, I love Jesus, I'm learning how to play, reading chords, not really good, I'm kind of just like hacking at it, not really sounding very good at all, but after a while, they gave me, that pastor, he gave me a key to the church, if he knew who I was, he would not have given me a key to the church, (laughs) thank the Lord for redemption and second chances. But man, I would go there, I would take my guitar like after work and I'd drive out there trying to learn new songs and stuff. I would, I would just take my guitar and their, their stairs kind of went up a little higher than this and there was like a middle part and I would sit on there and hang my feet off. And I would just play my guitar and play my guitar and I would sing and I'd sing and I'd sing. I knew no one was there so I would just sing at the top of my lungs, not caring if I hit the notes or not, but I would just sing because I loved Jesus. With all my heart. But I still didn't know that there was more on the table that I could have. 
I didn't know that there was a buffet table set before me. I didn't know that God himself wanted to come and commune with me and talk with me and hang out with me and help me. There's help that's waiting for you. But you have to know how to access it. And then one day, I just decided, I, I mean, I'm going for it. There's stuff happening in my life. I'm just like, I didn't even know why. I didn't know what this was doing. I just know I felt better when I just sang at the top of my lungs and just like got it out, you know? You ever been like that? Went home and just grabbed your pillow and, ah! <laughs> Gotta get this out. I'm so mad. Well, what I would do is I would just go there and I would just sing it as loud as I could. And then one day I put my guitar down and I'm just singing, walking back and forth, walking back and forth. And all of a sudden, one day, for some reason, I just felt to just lay down. I didn't know anything about laying prostrate before God. That's actually like a form of worship and everything. I didn't know anything. I just laid down. I was just tired. Closed my eyes. I wanted God. I was reading about God. Read about men in the Bible. But I didn't. I, and I'm at a Pentecostal church now, an Assemblies of God church now. And no one ever told me about the Holy Spirit. But I'm laying there. Hungry. Desperate. Thirsty for God. And I'm laying there in this church. And all of a sudden, I promise you to the Lord. It's like I hear the back doors. Just I'm laying there on the floor. Open my eyes. I look underneath all the pews. Turn around behind me. There's no one there. So I laid back down. Laying there, just singing, thinking about God, not knowing what to do with my life. It's a mess. And all of a sudden, I hear someone walking in the church. It scares me. I'm there by myself. Who's there? Were they listening to me sing? I'm kind of getting a little mad. Because <laughs> I hear someone, clear as day, walking in the church. Don't see anybody. Looking underneath all the pews. I lay back down again. I hear someone walking in. I get up, and then I stood up. I'm looking around. And then I realized, I was like, maybe this is what I, maybe this is God I'm reading about. I said, maybe God's here with me. I said, okay. I'm going to lay back down again. Then I heard it clear as day. That person walked down the aisle. I'm laying there, and my heart is beating. And it gets faster and faster and faster. Like some of the young men I prayed for last night. And I'm laying there with my eyes closed. And I'm like, okay. I know there's someone in here. But every time I look, there's no one. I'm going to keep my eyes closed as long as I possibly can. <laughs> I'm laying there. He comes around. It was just like this. He comes around this side. And starts walking up to me. And my body goes stiff, and I start shaking on the ground. Fear gripped me like never before, but I knew it wasn't bad. I knew it was God. So I kept my eyes closed, just sitting there. I got my hands like this, like a cop back up against the wall. Like, don't shoot me. <laughs> and it comes, and he walks and stands right by my head. And I'm, I'm, I'm crying at this point. Man, I've been crying a lot here. <laughs> I'm crying at this point. All of a sudden, it's like I feel like my body's going to explode. And I open my eyes and I look. And then phew, it left. He left. The Holy Spirit. 
When I first started Bible school, the Lord reminds me right now, I was sitting. This is how ignorant I was, man. I think back, I'm like, man, I was so stupid. Lord, how did you put up? Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Stupid. I'm like sitting there writing out a sermon. I'm like going to preach at this church, you know. I'm like believing, get all my friends saved because they're still drinking and everything. I got to get them saved, man. I got to get them to experience what I felt. And I'm in my room praying, Lord, help me. Come and help me write this sermon. I need your help. I need your help. All of a sudden, it's like I feel a blanket being laid on me. And I know that there's something in my room. And it freaked me out. I was stupid. I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, when I felt that thing, it's like it got easier to write my message. It's like, man, I started thinking about this and that. But then it got really strong, and it freaked me out. I jumped up. I said, whatever you are, get out of my room. Tell them the Holy Spirit to get lost. (laughs) Stupid. Thank you, Lord, for using weak and foolish things to confound the wise. But then I finally got filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I got so hungry for him. So desperate for him. I'll tell you how it happened. I came back off of the road because God spoke to me this when I was sitting in the back of that church. I said, God, either you show up and show me what's real or not, or I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to serve you for the small stuff. Either it's what I read in the Bible or I'm done. And literally, he told me, he said, go to Bible school and go on a mission trip. So I found this Bible school. I met the guy when we worked. I told the testimony here, I believe yesterday. And then I went on this mission trip. And man, I see people start getting healed. I'm praying for somebody. and I, Someone gets healed. I'm telling people about Jesus. They're getting saved. But I still don't even know the Holy Spirit. I'm still not even filled with the Holy Spirit. People started speaking in tongues. And I thought they were crazy. I'm this young Baptist boy sitting in there on this trip with a Dr. Rodney's road team. And we meet every morning for prayer. And everybody, I mean, I'm telling you, they're fervent in their prayer. I mean, praying in tongues before they go out on the streets. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless God. Whoa, that was a little, okay. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you're wonderful. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. It was warm. I didn't know, but I went home, and then God told me to break up with your girlfriend. I said, what? I said, you're kidding me. I'm hearing God's voice. I'm hearing his instruction, but I'm still not filled with the Holy Spirit. So it comes to me, break up with your girlfriend. I'm like, man, uh, she's a good girl. We haven't even kissed. So you kidding me? I was like, she's like valedictorian. She's like someone you want to take home to mom. You know, I'm glad I did because, man, I got way better. (laughs) God always has better for you. Never settle. But I went over there, and, of course, I'm I'm listening. I'm, okay, man, I'm leaving everything. I already left all my friends. I'm going to this school, not even listening to my parents. They're not even supporting me. They wanted me to go to a real school, real college. 
So everybody, I'm leaving. And the last thing was a person that had another piece of my heart. I drove over there, ended it, left, driving home, got music playing in my car. I remember to this day, I would just sing. When I get by myself, I sing at the top of my lungs. I don't even care if I sound good. So if you're in here and you can't sing, I'm there with you. Just sing. God wants to hear you. Worship's a form of prayer. It's the highest form of prayer. So I'm driving home and I'm singing Michael W. Smith. Like a rose trampled on the ground. You took the fall, the thought of me. <laughs> Above all, crucified, laid behind a stone. You lived to die, rejected and alone, like a rose trampled on the ground. You took the fall. The thought of me. Above all. And I'm telling you, like I feel it like now, a weight hit my little ranger truck. And I begin to swerve, and I'm crying so much, kind of like right now, I really can't see because of the tears. The road was blurry. I'm, I'm glad I was close to my house. I pull in the driveway. I slam it in park, and it got so heavy, I just fall over, sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And all of a sudden, I begin to yell at the top of my voice. Not a bad yell, just a yell coming right out of my belly. Then I would cry. Then I would laugh. Then I would yell. Then I would laugh. Then I would cry. And then just for hours, for several hours go by. And all of a sudden, that yell that started coming out started to sound like a language that people prayed when I was in New York with them, those crazy people that would pray in the morning. And then all of a sudden, my mind that was telling me, I'm losing my mind. I'm leaving all my friends. My parents are turning their back on me. I just broke up with a good girl. I've never dated a good girl. I'm leaving a church. <laughs> you laugh, Bob. It's the truth. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. That's it. Look, I'm literally going insane right in my truck right now. And all of a sudden, that yell started sounding like a language. And then I knew I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit right now. That's what this is. Nobody had to lay hands on me. I was kind of mad because you can receive it just like that when someone lays hands on you. And I went a whole week with those people praying in tongues and none of them prayed for me. After I got filled and I found out what was going on, I went back to all of them and said, why didn't you pray for me? I'm sitting there saying, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You're praying in tongues. You didn't notice? Come on. You had to have noticed. Of this boy coming on the trip for the first time, just being rebellious. Pray in tongues. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I would just say it faster. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Start to sound like tongues. <laughs> but I'm like, that's what's happening. 
I'm getting baptized in the Holy Ghost in my truck in the driveway. Then the relationship with the Holy Spirit went to another level. I started reading my Bible and it's like I would understand what it's saying. Then I started hearing his voice voice more often and clearer than I've ever heard it before. This is what you need to do. This is where you need to go. Reading. Man, I've never noticed this before. I've read this chapter, I don't know how many times. I kind of got tired of reading the Bible because I didn't understand it. At most, I would like start reading it and then I would just start crying because I was so hungry for God. Then I just started understanding what was happening. I started having relationship with the God of the universe. And it is the most wonderful, special thing you can ever experience in your life. And then I found out that you don't only get that experience once, but you can have it continually. The Bible says, be ye being filled. So I would go along and I'd notice like, Attitudes would start to come back and stuff. And then boom, I'd be in a service and boom, it would happen again. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. Be ye being filled, continually being filled. So you're, you're probably in here and you might be in here and so, say, well, I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost back in 1975. <laughs> yep, and you leaked out by 1975 and one day after that. We need to continually be repetitively filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like you take a glass of water. That glass is the vessel. You pour the water in, and then the vessel carries it to whoever needs the nourishment from the water. Drink the water, the vessel becomes half empty or empty. But you don't throw away the glass, you can reuse it. You refill it again. We are God's vessel. God wants to pour into us so he can move through us to a lost and dying world. He wants us to be filled so we can pour out to others that don't know him, that need him, that need a touch of God. Look at your hands. Say, God wants to use these hands. Say this after me. Say, Lord, are you sure? Lord, are you sure? I know where these hands have been. Say, God wants to use my hands to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to, cast out devils. to, help, others. to help others, to get others filled, get others filled. with the Holy Spirit that I receive. Amen. God wants to use you, but you have to let him. You have to stay filled. How easy is it to receive the Holy Spirit? It's very easy. Let me show you. Turn over to Luke. Chapter 11, verse 13.
Luke eleven thirteen. No, wrong book. John. Translation that I don't have that I want for you. Give me a second. Yeah, I was right. Luke eleven thirteen. I'm going to read you in King James. This would help. Luke eleven thirteen. I'm going to start in verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, and he that receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask for bread of any of you, that is a father, will you give him a stone if your son asks you for bread? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will, he offer, will, you, will ye offer him a scorpion? If then, if ye then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father say? How much more, how much more will my heavenly Father? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? All you have to do is ask. I was reminded of my dean, and he told me this one time. He said, he told the Lord one time, he said, Lord, let me never get to the place where I'm not aware of your presence with me. He said, yank my chain if I have one. He says, if I'm ever in a place where I'm not aware of your presence with me, get my attention. And it was a Black Friday, he was shopping. And he was trying to get all the gifts and everything like that. And he was running, had plans. He said, oh, man, if I don't get here, if I don't get there, I'm going to miss out. Uh, oh, i got to hurry up. You know the crazy on Black Friday. <laughs> crazy. Driving all over towns, going to Best Buy, going here, going there, going to Target, Walmart, doorbusters, those kind of things. He was going all over the place. And all of a sudden, he was running in a mall, like running, 
trying to get something. There's a present. He's got a sale. Got to get the sale, you know, save a couple bucks. And all of a sudden, it's like something hits him in the chest. And he stops. He's like, oh, man, am I having a heart attack? What is this? He sits down. There's a bench like right there where it happened. He sits down, and the Lord speaks to him. He says, you are not aware of my presence with you. And he begins to bawl his eyes out. He'd forgotten that the helper was with him. Just like the young girl that God showed him, you can be running through the mall, handcuffed to me and dragging me along with you. Or you can walk hand in hand with God himself and let him lead you and help you. He'll even help you find the deals on Black Friday, man. I'm telling you. He'll tell you when to go shopping and when not to go shopping. He says, get up, go, ne- go there, go here. You find the size that you've been looking for. Bless God, and it's on sale too. God wants the best for you. You need relationship with his Holy Spirit. Let me show you what was beginning to happen. I hear the harps of heaven playing. (laughs) Hallelujah. Lord, we're stepping over into a realm tonight. (laughs) Turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. Then we're going to pray. I actually have a couple more testimonies, but we'll see what the Lord wants to do. No, I'm going to wait. I'll let you turn there. 1 Kings chapter 8. i got to tell you these things. The first time I ever got to minister somewhere, I got to go to a women's correctional facility. I took that guitar with me. But now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And man, we're in this little chapel, and I begin to sing. We're playing in there. And they said, hey, you get to speak. And man, I took the microphone, and I began to share just my heart with them, just like I did with you here. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, it was like a wind blew into that place. They had pews in that place. These ladies, it scared me. They started praising God and shouting and jumping and were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd never seen it like this. They started flipping pews. I'm like, what in the world is happening? They were so hungry for God. And a lot of times, God is literally in the prisons waiting. Jesus said this. He says, when you go and visit those in the prison, you visit me. He's in the prison. There's people that God has specifically that he wants you to reach. But we have to be obedient to his leading by his spirit and go and reach them. But we went in there and, man, I'm telling you, I've seen some of the best meetings happen in a prison. Every one of those ladies got baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I don't know where they are now, but I know whenever they get out, wherever they go, they have the best thing I could have ever given them. I could have ever led them to. So I didn't give it to them. I just led them to it. God himself. It happened again. And let me show you how important it is. The difference here. I was running tent crusades. I was helping another minister. And we were running tent revivals. We were going all across Florida. We'd set up these tents. And man, I'm telling you, we would see phenomenal things happen. People get healed. People get saved. All sorts of wonderful stuff. 
But we set up the tent in Madison, Florida, a small town. But this time, the person that owned the tent was a Baptist man, very rich Baptist man, like owns roads and stuff in Florida. And he bought a tent. Lord spoke to him. He said, I want you to buy a tent. Probably the only time he heard the Lord is what he told us. He said he just heard from the Lord. He said, buy a tent and go and get people to preach the gospel under it. So he bought a tent and got the truck, the chairs, the stage, everything, and then come to meet the minister that I was traveling with, and we started going out and preaching the gospel. But then they started getting irritated because when we give the altar call, we would pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit and power. And he started getting irritated with that. He says, nah, let's try it one, one time without it. He says, this time, the minister, he wasn't there. He let me go and lead it up. And the the guys there, they're like, all right, give the altar call. Call people to get saved and receive Jesus. He says, but no baptism in the Holy Spirit. None of that. I said, okay, I'm going to be respectful. People got saved every night. And that's wonderful. But I know that there was more that God wanted to do for them. But I couldn't do it. So in the mornings, what we would do, we had soul winning training where people would come and we would teach them how to win souls. And then we'd go out on the streets right after that. We'd pass out flyers for the meeting that night. And these ladies came in. There was about, I think there was five ladies. One was a school teacher. One was a secretary somewhere. One worked at the library. One was like in the government, some secretary or something like that. It was all ladies on the front row. I've noticed that a lot. Women are very eager to be used by God. It's us men that have to get our heads out of the way. Say, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. But this was a special morning because I taught them how to go and preach to somebody, how to get saved. We gave them the soul winning script and everything. And all of a sudden I felt in my spirit. I said, I need to lay hands on these ladies to receive the Holy Spirit. Said, well, I'm not supposed to in the night, but they didn't say anything about the morning. Because this was our our thing in the morning. So I was like, okay. Holy Spirit was like, gave me the green light. And I said, all right. I opened Acts chapter 2, which I'm going to read after that. And I began to read about it. And I'm telling you, hand to the Lord. It was like in that prison. It was like a wind, a literal wind blew into the tent. And all five of the ladies began to cry and scream and pray in tongues. They started shaking so much so it shocked me. Michaela used to travel on the road with me. There was a lady, Miss Rhonda. She's like a southern belle. Kind of like Pastor Nicole. <laughs> and she stood back. She said, Lord Jesus. I looked at her. She looked at me. She said, wow. We didn't even do anything. The Lord showed me how important it was. I didn't have to do anything. I just gave him the opportunity. He showed me how much he wants to fill his people with his spirit. Because we weren't allowed to in the nights, but we just offered it. And he moved right in. That's all, most of the time, that's all God is looking for is just an opportunity. Give him a crack in the door. Open the door just a little bit. Let him come in. Give it a shot. What could it hurt? Let me tell you this. If speaking in tongues was of the devil, I've, I used to go to the bars. 
I never once went up to the counter and said, Shaka Mahako Rabaka, give me a stiff one tonight. Not once. If tongues was of the devil, we would see it in the nightclubs, amen? It's nowhere near the nightclubs. I used to go into the nightclubs and I'd come out. Being the dummy that I was, me and my buddy, we'd go out in the parking lot, and then we'd start talking about Jesus, cry and everything like that. Man, I'm just so, I love Jesus so much, man. You ready to go back inside? Yeah, let's go. God is so merciful with our imperfect selves that the blood of Jesus would cleanse us and make us pure. That he could take his own spirit and fill us in this mortal flesh. That's the mystery. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in me. Inside of you. Your very being. Come out of a temple built by man, never again to live therein, but to come and live and dwell in your heart and my heart for all of eternity. That is amazing. That God wants to come and fill you to overflowing and use you to do mighty things in the earth. Jesus. confounds me it's like man are you serious you want to use this yeah that's where we got to shut off our dumb heads there's a preacher used to say this god bless your darling hearts and dumb heads stupid heads he used to say he was teaching at a bible school we have to shut this off. You can't, we cannot receive from God with this. It's with this we receive from the Lord. Amen. You are a spirit first. This body we will put off. We will put off corruptible and put on incorruptible when we get to heaven. Last night, if you were in here, you would have seen people laying all over the floor. Why do people fall down? Because they can't stand up under the presence of God. Because it's so weighty. Can you imagine if literally we went to heaven right now in this corruptible body? You know what we would be like up there? The Lord would have to assign like six angels to carry us around because we'd be like... (laughs) Wouldn't even be able to function. In the presence of God. We only receive a taste. Imagine how wonderful heaven is going to be when we get there. But we don't have to wait to experience the glories of the Lord. We can experience some of it now. In the land of the living. Jesus. 1 Kings chapter 8. Verse 11. This is Old Testament. Verse 10, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. 
so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 5. It's just over a couple more books. If you have my Bible, it's on page 637. Second Chronicles chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by the course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jed, uh, Judithan, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen. Sounds like heaven. It's going to be like, going to get garments pure and white. Whiter than the eye has ever seen. Having cymbals and psalmstress and harps and stood at the east end of the altar. And with them, a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and the instruments of the music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. And then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Turn over to chapter 7, verse 1. Two chapters over. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings. You said fire came down from heaven? Yeah. God is more real than the shirt on your back. The spirit realm is more real than where we are now. It consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all of the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord was upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and there was 120 there, just to let you know. It sounds very similar to what we just read with the priests. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing, mighty wind. 
and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then you go on to read that there was such a great noise that every person around in the city heard what was going on. And they said, let's get up and go check out what's going on. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Something just woke me up. I got to go here and check out what this sound is that I'm hearing. Then they stumbled out of that room looking like drunkards. Everyone thought they were drunk, crazy people. But Peter stood up and said, that's not it. These are not drunk. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ. You need the Holy Spirit. You cannot fully live to the fullest in this life without His help. You'll never reach your full potential without the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's just as easy as asking for the Spirit. You don't have to tarry anymore. Tarrying is over. You have to get hungry. You have to get thirsty. But you have to come with an open heart, ready to receive. But you can't receive the Holy Spirit without first receiving Jesus without first being right with God without first making everything clear between you and him and there's only one way to do that and that's by giving your heart fully to Christ getting everything that's in the way between you and him removed I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed I'm going to give one call and then we're going to pray for people. And get ready. God's going to do something here tonight. But if you're in here and you're under the sound of my voice. And you would say, Stephen, I know that I'm not right with the Lord. I don't care if you even answered the altar call before. You've come up and prayed already. Or maybe you're in here and you've never prayed. You don't remember a time where you've come and received Jesus as your Lord. You walked the aisles of a church and came and stood and confessed Jesus as Lord. This call is for you. You don't know if you're going to spend eternity in heaven. We're not promised tomorrow. It says the life, our lives are but a twinkling of an eye, a vapor, a mist, a mist, a wave that crashes and is soon gone. Like the grass of the field, what is there today, then cut and burned tomorrow. Your life is too short for you to go and struggle like you've been struggling. Enough is enough. And all you have to do is surrender. It's so easy. But the first call is you're here and you've never accepted Jesus. And if you went home and laid your head on your pillow and you didn't wake up, you do not know 
100% that you would make it into heaven. It's cause for you. The Bible says, my father loves them that keep my words, that keep my commandments. Maybe you're in here and you say, you know what? I really haven't kept the commandments of God like I should. I've allowed the things of the world to creep in and pollute my heart. I used to love Jesus with all my heart. I would be like Stephen said. I was so hungry. I'd read my Bible. I'd come to church all the time. Maybe you even used to sing in the choir. Maybe you sing in the choir now. Who knows where you're from? I don't know every person in here. But something happened, and it's like shipwrecked your faith. It's like a Mack truck from hell came and hit you. And it stumbled you. Now you don't even know where God is. You feel like God's so far off, and it would take so, so much time to try and get back. You feel like you can never get back to where you were. Tonight's your night. Maybe that thing was the loss of a loved one. A pain so deep and you just can't get over it. You can't bear it. And you feel like God was to blame. But God wasn't to blame. And you're ready for him to heal that part of your heart tonight. Maybe you were abused as a child. Someone took advantage of you. That Someone touched you that shouldn't have touched you. And that has haunted you. And you want God to remove it tonight. Tonight's your night. Maybe it wasn't the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was a sudden divorce. Like devil came in and ripped your house apart. Maybe the loss of a job. Now you're struggling. You don't know where you're even going to get food or rent money next week. But a storm has come against your life. You feel like it's taken you out. Or maybe it's not something that everyone can see maybe it's something more intimate you come to church but no one really knows what's going on you you smile but you you're carrying this thing and you you wish that someone could see it you feel like crying out you feel like sharing it with them but but you feel like it would just embarrass you so much and they would just reject you when they really know what's going on in your heart but you know it's like poison and you need to get it out maybe it's lust unforgiveness bitterness Jealousy, hatred, anger, the hidden sins of the heart. The Bible says unless you, you can't forgive your brother, your heavenly father cannot forgive you. It is so important to get those things out of your heart. And God will come running to help you with that. And there's a last call. Maybe you're in here. You love Jesus with all your heart. But the devil's just been lying to you, telling you you're really not saved. No, it's just fake. You're only going to be like this for a little bit. Then you know you're going to go right back to all of that stuff. And you're tired of hearing that voice and you want to make it right tonight. You want to make for sure, for sure. Maybe the devil's been tormenting you at night, not able to sleep, filled with nightmares and fear, and you're done with it. Tonight's your night. Come and let God take that away from you. Now, with all heads bowed and no one looking around, if that was you on any of those calls, 
It doesn't matter what for. It doesn't matter who you are. Even if you're a member of the church. Even if you work here. Doesn't matter. Get it right. Jesus is coming soon. For some of us, He could even come tonight. Don't leave with it one more day. Lay it down. If that's you with no one looking around, on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up because I want to pray a prayer with you and for you. On the count of three. Thank you, thank you. Hands are already up. One, two, three. Shoot those hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. I see you. Anyone else? Lift it high. Lift it high. Don't be ashamed. No one's looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Now go ahead and look at me. This side of the sanctuary. And it could be pornography. Oh, he said the word. (laughs) I know what day we're living in. And I know that devil. And I hate it. Because I see him taking out more of our youth at a younger and younger age than ever. You don't have to tell people what you're coming up here for. But if you're tired of the enemy having any hold of your life, get it right tonight. If you're on this side of the auditorium, you said, I should have raised my hand, but I didn't raise my hand. And you want me to include you in the prayer, I'm going to pray. Say, include me. Say, pray for me. me. Amen. Anyone else? Thank you, bud. You say, whoa, maybe they keep going down there. It doesn't matter. Come until you know. I'm not going to chase you out of here. Come until you know for sure. Anyone on this side? You you say, I should have raised my hand, but I didn't. Include me. Say, pray for me. Say, pray for me. Include me in that prayer you're going to pray. Okay. Amen. Now, before we go on and we pray for anybody, this is so important because I don't want one person to leave here not receiving the gift that God has for you and not receiving that relationship that I went so long without because no one took the time to tell me. Now, real quick, before we go on, if you raise your hand for any of those three calls, for any reason, I want you to stand to your feet. Real quick, I want to say a prayer with you and for you. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Give them a round of applause as they stand. That's a brave move. Thank you. Amen. And while you're clapping, while everyone's clapping, I want you to go ahead and meet me down here at the front. I'm going to say a prayer with you and for you. Come quick. It doesn't matter if you come before. If you raise your hand for anything, come and stand right here in front of me. Come close. Come close. Come close. Come down here. Come down here. Bring them all together in a bunch, man. You don't have to line them up. Come down here. Come down here. We're family. Amen. This is a brave thing to do. It takes a real strong person to say, you know what? I need to get it right with the Lord. I need to make sure that I have peace with God and there's nothing in between him and I. And it doesn't matter how many times you come down here. We'll pray for you. It's good to see you again, buddy. 
I'm going to give you the words to say. There's one prayer that fits all. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and lift your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And say this after me with your heart and with your lips out loud. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. That you came to the earth. That you came to the earth. That you died on the cross. That you died on the cross. And you shed your blood for me. And you shed your blood for me. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me with your blood. Set me free. Thank you, Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead. And you're coming back for me again. I receive your forgiveness now. And I confess in front of all these people that Jesus Christ is now the Lord of my life. I love you. I'm thankful for you. And Lord, I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Give me a passion for the lost. And a hunger for, your, for the works of you. And the hunger for the works for I give you my life today. I give you my life today. I surrender. I surrender. No more joking. No more joking. I'm getting real with you. I'm getting real with you. Today is the day. Today is the day. I draw a line in the sand. I draw a line in the sand. I am not going back. I'm not going back. I am leaving my old life. I'm leaving my old life. To serve you. To serve you. I see that you have better for me. I see that you have better for me. And I want it. And I want it. And right now. And right now. By faith. By faith. In the finished work of the cross. In the finished work of the cross. I am saved. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven. I am on my way to because heaven. Jesus because Jesus lives in my heart. Lives in my heart. And he is my Lord. And he is my Lord. And he's my Savior. He's my Savior. Amen. 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 Now go ahead and give the Lord a great hand clap. Amen. 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 Now this is the best part of my job. All your sins are forgiven you right now. Whatever it was that was in between you and God, it's done. It's removed. Amen. You are a child of God. Amen? Amen. Now lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. Satan, I rebuke you. I command you to lift your hands off of my new brothers and sisters. Now, every chain of addiction and bondage that was holding them, I break it now in Jesus' name. I set you free by the power of God. Now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus. Lord, I even thank you for restoration of mind. Like thoughts becoming clear. Not jumbled. Amen. Was that right? Amen. Hallelujah.
He even cares about our thoughts, our thought life. He cares if it's hard for us to think or not. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to go back to your seats real quickly. Amen. Now we're going to pray. It's easy to receive the Holy Spirit. You don't have to shout for it. You just have to open your heart and receive. Amen? If you're in this place and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, this is your opportunity right now. I'm going to ask you to come up to the front and stand here. The Bible says you can receive the gift of the Spirit by the laying on of the elders' hands. Of men and women of God's hands, you can receive it. You can also receive it by just asking. It's for every person. You know what we learned from the upper room? It says they were all in there in one accord. It says there was a flame above every head. So that tells me it's for every person that prays. Then it says it was noised abroad. Every person in the city, they were there for a time of worship. So there was people from all different nations. And every nation heard them speaking and glorifying God in their own language. Even though they didn't even speak that language, they heard them glorifying God. So that also tells me it's for every nation. The Holy Spirit and baptism and fire is for every person and every nation around the world. You are qualified the moment you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then all you have to do is ask and believe, just like you came, the, our precious family that just came up here, and asked Jesus to forgive their sins and asked him to come into their heart and confess him as their Lord and Savior. When they did that, the Bible says it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. So that moment, Say, do I have to pray a long prayer like that? No. It can be as simple as saying, Lord, for, don't forget me. Just like we learned with the thief on the cross. All he said to Jesus, he said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus looked at him while they're hanging on the cross. There wasn't a church to go to. Jesus didn't say, all right, guys, hold it. Jumped off the cross, said, bring him down. We have to go to the synagogue real quick. He has to answer an altar call. Then he'll, make, he'll know for sure he's saved. Then I can tell him, today he's going to be with me in paradise. No, he looked over bloody and broken and said, today you will be with me in paradise. But the other guy on the other side said, if you're Lord, come down from there. That's why all, everyone on the planet is represented by two people. The people that don't believe, they say, if you're God, they doubt and the men and women that will say, Lord, you are Lord, and I give you my life. Yes. 